This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast for myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes dons. Um, first of all, gents, how are we doing? Ross, how's your how's your weekend been? It's been uh, just a weekend of chilling out and um, watching the uh, performance of yesterday. But uh, yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, pretty much the same for me. I obviously watched the game yesterday. Um, yeah, just chilling out at home, really. Um, Unfortunately, um, as typical with Sundays at the moment, um, Joe is not with us. He's busy at work, um, but no worries. We've uh, got Jonathan Harry's back on the podcast to, you know, more than adequately replace him. So, Jonathan, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I don't know about adequately replacing, but I <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll fill in. Yeah, apart from yesterday's result, can't complain about this week. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it's disappointing, but we'll, we'll get onto that shortly, I suppose. Um, Jonathan, I believe you wanted to quickly touch upon, obviously me and Ross spoke about Louis Thompson um, briefly in the previous episodes, but I believe you wanted to give a message to Louis Thompson and Dan Harvey uh, regarding to what's recent news has happened. So do you want to uh, yeah, go ahead with that? I just, yeah, um, I just want to wish Louis Thompson all the best. Um, I don't think the club have announced what sort of injury it is, but I presume it's to do with his hamstring. And um, I did try and contact him via social media, but... Um, he wasn't on there, so Carlton Morris has uh, passed the message on for me. Um, I, I was starting to really warm to him. I know in previous podcasts I wasn't 100% sure on him, but I think we really did miss him yesterday um, as both an attacking and a sort of defensive um, unit. And also, um, I just hope uh, Daniel Harvey's all safe and well with the uh, 
I think it's just more of a COVID precaution rather than than he ha- he has it. But all the same, I just hope he stays safe and well in these times. Yeah, it's a, it was a real shame regarding Louis. As um, you know, I've gone on previous sort of opposition podcasts and spoke him up really highly, and I felt, especially during the Sunderland game, he really showed why he was such an important part to this team. And um, we were speaking with people before the Russ Martin um, press um, podcast episode. Sorry. And um, yeah, we were sort of discussing about how like it was such a loss to lose him because he's he was such a perfect complement to Fraser in terms of the midfield three. Um, so yeah, it was a real shame, but we can we can only hope that you know we've got Sirs on board now, and we can hope Sirs can adequately replace him um, as much, if not more. And yeah, hopefully Dan Harvey's okay. Um, by the sounds of it, he's just a blessed, just a precaution. Um, so hopefully he'll be back involved as soon as possible. Um, quickly before we get into Hull, I just want to say massive thanks to everyone who listened to um, our latest episode of the podcast, so the episode with Russ Martin, the gaffer. Um, believe it was our most listed episode yet. And um, it was really nice to see a lot of people, you know, who were Don's fans that really found it really interesting. And but also people from clubs that you know aren't Don's fans. And, you know, we had people messaging us from like fans of Stoke, fans of, of course, Norwich, um, but all over the country. And um, yeah, it was nice to get a lot more engagement on an episode than we typically would. And um, we hope that some of you stuck around and will listen to our, f- our future episodes as you know, we are Don's focus, but we're hoping to continue that series later on down the season and hopefully with more, more guests. So yeah, gents, um, fortunately our unbeaten run came to an end on Saturday, uh, losing 3-1 to Hull City. Um, in general, you know, we matched them for XG. If um, you know you, I like the data side of things. I think we beat them by 0.2 of a decimal, so it was very, it was pretty close. We had 106, and they had 104 um, in terms of the actual numbers. Um, in general, um, you know, it, we kind of we kind of lost the game ourselves. You know, early mistakes defensively kind of cost us, and you know we're kind of fighting the uphill battle in the end to try and come back into the game. And um, yeah, it's a difficult one. You know, Hull are arguably the best team we've played this season in terms of clinic- clinically anyway. And, um, you know, we didn't really react as much as we wanted to. And it's quite frustrating um, to watch, but it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts in general on the performance uh, on Saturday? You know, first of all, I'd just like to say that's our first loss in four games. Um, and... There isn't need for this meltdown, which I saw on the uh, post-match um, Saturday. And um, I felt we're more than matched Hull, who are sitting top of the league currently. And um, if not, we created the better chances. And as Liam, you alluded to, it, it was just a case of uh, being clinical and ruthless in front of goal. And I just feel the we were always chasing the game in the sense of, we got the equaliser and then um, they instantly score straight after. It's just, as as we say, it's a lapse of concentration. But I felt, other than, other than what, four minutes between they scored, we more than dominated the game. And uh, with 64% possession and four shots on target, we uh, more than matched this whole side. And I just feel people need to step, take a step back and realise that that whole side's got loads of championship quality in Matt Wilkes and all this. And I just feel, as I say, just need to take that extra step back and just look 
how far we've came. When we're creating the chances and now it's just about putting them away. So we need to look at the progress more than anything. But on a whole, I was I was happy with the performance, but we just uh, came short at the end of the day. Yeah, I think people do need to, you know, calm down a bit. Um, I don't want to, you know, we spoke a lot last night, me, Ross and yourself, Jonathan, about how some people reacted to it. And, um, yeah, you know, players like Wilkes are not going to be in this league next season. They're just they're too good. And we, we saw an example of that yesterday. You know, McGuinness for Hull top was absolutely clinical. He pretty much had two chances the whole game and put both away. Um, and, yeah, like we're not going to face Hull every week. You know, the game we're going to preview a bit later on in Shrewsbury are ultimately the complete opposite of Hull in terms of how they've been playing recently. So it's just, I think there's a bit of a reaction from certain people. And, you know, I'm sure if we get, three points on Tuesday and then take that into the cup game against Barnet and hopefully get a result there. You know, people are going to have a different look on it. Um, Jonathan, what were your general thoughts on uh, Saturday's performance? Uh, well, we got off to a fairly decent start. We had a good chance. I think it was, uh, I think it was either Fraser or Walker had a chance that went just wide of the post. And then as you, as you've said, we've uh, shot ourselves in the, in the foot with uh, two two um, basic mistakes, um, we, we did what we normally do and sort of come back strong, and we did equalise. And then I, I just felt Hull's sort of championship quality and sort of gamesmanship, sort of with the niggly fouls and um, like the shirt pulling, it sort of it sort of prevailed. And to make the next step up from where we want to be because at the minute we you could still say we're we're still fighting like the relegation scrap but if we're aiming for sort of top 12 top 10 we do when we get these chances we do need to be um more clinical uh obviously Stephen Walker's chance I think was obviously absolutely massive um and as, as you said Liam we're, we're not going to face Hull every week and if we're if we've got ambitions for, for championship football under Russell Martin, then we're going to have to face more sides like Hull that are, that are more sort of streetwise, I think is probably the, is the uh, right way to, to talk about it. But and if you'd said to me in the last two weeks that we'd get three points out of an away trip to Sunderland and a home game to Hull, um, I'd have bitten your hand off. So as, as Ross said, there was, there's uh, no need for the, the overreaction of, of some of the fans, not all of them, but just some of the fans. And uh, yeah, we've just got to trust this process, really. Yeah, and um, we were talking about a bit pre-recording, gents, but it was such a shame, you know, with the fans form and the start of the week. And then, you know, obviously, Russ came on our pod, which is still very grateful for and everything. But it was such a shame that it felt like all that went to waste on Saturday afternoon, coming like five o'clock. There were so many negative comments on, you know, the club social feed, our social feeds. And, uh, yeah, it was just disappointing. And people just seemed to forget about it. And um, we were kind of hoping it might have a bit more lasting impact than that. And maybe in the future, who knows? As I said, if we get that result on Tuesday and then carry that on, that people may, you know, be a bit more understanding of what happened on Saturday. But I don't know, we're living in the moment, I suppose, a little bit. And uh, hopefully we see a reaction on Tuesday. Um, yeah, I just want to touch quickly on some comments made by uh, Free Counties Radio in terms of um, what I said during the game and after it. 
Um, I, I just found it a little bit worrying regarding some of the comments he made. I think Joe mentioned this in our group chat about how Paul Dixon was talking about how towards the end of the half, we should have just lumped it in the box and end of the first half, I say, sorry, how we just lump it in the box and, uh, you know, go completely against the philosophy we're trying to build in this total football. And obviously Toby Locke was mentioned about how, you know, whilst, you know, we've been playing, we're in a relegation scrap in a sense, but we're not essentially playing chances away and things like that. I don't know, it just, I just felt it was quite worrying comments, especially from on in the actual game commentary and how these, you know, the, the MKFN people and the free counties people are the, the people that are closest to the team at the moment. And them not making those kind of comments, I don't know, that can only reflect badly on what Russ is trying to do here. And, and those, at the end of the day, those opinions of those people are quite highly regarded in our fan base. You know, Toby Locke has been doing this for years. And I think he's one of the most respected people out of the whole fan base. And yes, say people, hundreds of people listen to him every week. So I know those comments to me were quite disappointing. And I don't, I'd like to think he didn't mean it in a certain way in terms of going against what Russ is trying to do. Um, but I was just a bit disappointed by it. I don't know if you two gents had any thoughts on what occurred. Um, Jonathan, did you have anything to say? Uh, the one thing I, I would say is, and we did, I did mention this pre-recording, is that um, I, I know Paul Dixon came in for a bit of criticism last night. Last night, um, but he doesn't cover the um, the pre the pre-match and the post-match interviews. It's, uh, obviously, Luke Ashmead covers them for three counties, and I just feel that um, Luke's obviously Luke's obviously more sort of. He'll be more clued up. He'll know Russell Martin more with all these interviews that he's done. He's he sees him what twice a week, maybe even three or four times. Um, so there's a bit of familiar familiarity um, as regards uh, Luke Ashmead, and I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, um, especially when he goes off and doesn't talk about the game. But um, I just feel. Just I don't know. Just a Paul Dixon's uh, maybe just doesn't understand that that isn't Russell Martin's way. Just to to lump it in the box, um, and yeah, that, that's it really. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, these commentators, especially someone like Paul, will probably cover like what five six teams in the county. And you know, as you said, Jonathan, he's kind of just been thrown into this one and probably just misjudged what he said. Um, I know a lot of people didn't really take too much account to it apart from us sort. Um, but you know at the end of the day they're, they are a, one of the main communicators the main channels that games are broadcast on and I just, I just would like to see a bit more um, maybe backing of the philosophy that we're trying to do or a lack of those comments would be great in the future this is all I'm trying to say um, so on to the actual game folks what happened on the pitch um, yeah it was it was a difficult game for Richard Keogh wasn't it um, you know he had the two pretty big mistakes that uh, led to two of three holes goals and um, yeah it was it was a rare game a rare poor game from Keogh who has been tremendous throughout the season um, really uh, in terms of securing that back line and you know really essentially organising it because it didn't seem that many people without maybe the absence of George Williams could really do that for us and um, you know some people may comment to how he's a bad player and 
<laughs> I'm not giving that attention to those people who said that because they just have to click, in my opinion, and or they're just taking the mick or something because I can't believe that people would think that after one bad game that Richard Keogh is this, this washed player who's not good enough for this team because he's one of the better players in the squad for me. Um, Ross, did you have anything to comment regarding um, yeah, Richard Keogh's performance yesterday and uh, game in general? Yeah, so I just want to echo what you just said earlier. He's one of the most experienced um, players in the squad alongside Louis. And I, I just feel like, as as we say, at the start of the season, we were um, letting teams roll all over us um, defensively. And yeah, he'd made two mistakes. And um, I'd just like to uh, clarify that everyone makes mistakes. And it's just when you make them. And I feel like with Keo being obviously the centre-half, if he makes a mistake, he's going to be punished at the end of the day or it's going to result in a massive uh, chance against us. And I think it just shows the um, difference between us and Hull in the sense of when we did get in behind um, Hull, they either had a last man ta- uh, tackling us or the keeper was uh, second to none to the save. And I just feel like that's the difference between the top side and the good side in League One. So... Everyone can point the fingers at Keogh, but if we put a chance his way, we would have won that game. So I think people um, scapegoating him as such in that performance. And I just feel like um, all that credit he's been receiving in these past past few weeks has gone out of the window slightly. And I just feel... Um, I know after the performance, I, I, I didn't feel like Keogh was the sort um, stuck out in that performance as such. But yeah, he did make a mistake and maybe um, going into the next few games, um, teams won't press us as high as what Hull did. And um, he'll we'll be able to go back to his old ways and uh, be the brick wall as he normally is. Yeah, it's a really good point actually regarding the pressing. You know, it was that was the first real time we've seen a team, you know, not sit back and actually just let us do what we want to do with the ball in our own half. You know, Hull really wanted to take or get their foot in front of the whole game and really put us under the cosh in terms of our passing style. And you have to say it worked. And, you know, we've, we've, we've watched the past few weeks how Keo maybe isn't the most advanced passer as of yet in this team. And, um, you know, he made quite a few mistakes, as we've highlighted already. And, um, but yeah, as you said, Ross, you know, everyone's allowed a poor game. And it's just unfortunate for Keo that it happened to be in this one, um, especially off such a good run of performances recently. Uh, Jonathan, did you have anything to mention regarding um, Keogh's performance or the team in general regarding their mistakes? Um, well, I, I think at first, first you're right. Um, I think Richard Keogh, I mean, he was at he's been championship level for so many, so many years and so consistent. I mean, yes, he did make that. There was that mistake he made in the playoff final against QPR um, a few years back, um, and. People do make mistakes. No, no one's perfect, and everyone makes mistakes. And I, I just feel that people are quick to jump on um, players when they make a mistake, but they don't remember sort of what's happened pre- in previous games. He was an absolute rock in that second half um, against Sunderland when they were battering us. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he made the mistake for the. Um, the agent Grig missed, but um, apart from that, he, he was really, really solid. Um, and I just feel that until George Williams is back, like proper fit and firing, 
what other options do we really have in the squad? I mean, they, they tried the Bailey Cargill experiment at Oxford and that didn't really work out, mainly because it's not Cargill's strongest position. Um, there's no one else really in the team that you that you could think could go in there even for a game or even part of a game to, to rest him. So I, I just feel that we're just going to have to stick with, uh, stick with Keo and trust that he will... Well, he will um, he will come out of this like stronger and definitely will. Uh, it'll be very rare that you'll see Richard Keogh have another game like that this season. I'd be very surprised if if he does. Yeah, and as I said, right, that's probably going to be our toughest game of the season, if not our second toughest. So the fact that he had a poor game against arguably the best team in the, in the league isn't necessarily a a worst case scenario thing like there were several people in that team who didn't for me do themselves any favours um, and you know that is, is a team performance in the, the day and we should be hard on individuals mistakes too much um, but yeah you know Keir's going to bounce back he's doing this for over dec- decades now so yeah I'm not too worried at all he's a quality defender and he's done so much for this team already and um, I'm expecting that to continue um, yeah, so we, we touched briefly on all the chances created in the game and how we didn't really you know, put them away like Cole did. And um, I want to go to you, Ross, regarding this because your thoughts on this kind of echoed mine in a way. So I'll let you take it away. Going into this game, um, I, I thought scoring a goal against this whole side was going to uh, be a struggle. And with how much chances we created, I think we had four shots on target, but um, got in some really good positions. And we just have to remember that this whole side kept eight clean sheets, the, the best in this in the league uh, prior to this game. And I just feel like um, people people are being a bit overdramatic in front of goal in the sense of th- there's a reason why they kept eight clean sheets. And um, yeah, we scored one and we could have scored plenty against them. So I just feel like the goals on the goal side, I think it just comes along with confidence and work on the training ground. And uh, I think we've just got to be patient on that side because it will click. And when it's not the fact that we aren't scoring any goals, it's just that we're not being ruthless enough against these top sides who will punish us in front of goal. And uh, I think, as I said earlier, it's the difference between the top side at the end of the day. Yeah, and if you know, some of the chances fell, that someone only one of that fell to a Walker or Jerome, there's a good chance it goes in the back of the net and it's looking a completely different game heading into the last 10-15 minutes. So, yeah, it, it, again, it's it's just the theme of this podcast seems to be everyone's overreacting and it, it is kind of that. And, you know, we're all frustrated and angry and things like that, but there's 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 being like annoyed at a performance and just generally just slating people and things like that for no reason whatsoever. I think there's a time and a place for it, though. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, if we go into Tuesday's game and, you know, potentially don't perform well there again, then I'd say maybe a, a slating is more adequate because, you know, these two teams are playing a, a completely different side of the table. Um, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, Jonathan, I don't know if anything to elaborate on this topic, but it's hard to really complain when you're creating, as Ross said, like seven or eight great chances against the best team in the league, to be honest. Absolutely, and and as Ross said, it's all about being clinical. Hull had four chances, at, yeah, four chances, I believe, and scored three of them. And 
that's why Hull are up there this season. Um, they've had previous performances, um, particularly against one at home to Crew. Um, I've got a friend up there, and he said that Crew absolutely dominated them and had chances. And then Hull, with their two chances um, on goal, scored both of them. And I think we're not going to. Ha- it's this is a bit like this is a bit like Southampton back a few years back when they absolutely romped the romp League One. They've, everyone's just got to remember they've got a champ. They've literally got a championship spine in in Matt Ingram. Um, Josh McGuinness, George Honeyman, um, Malik Wilkes. I mean, McGuinness just—he was just so so clinical. And if people remember to to back to last season, we did have a striker that was that clinical. Um, when when Martin took over, um, I'm not going to mention his name because I know it's a bit of a sore subject again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it will come. It really will come. And I think we are. I'm not just saying this. I think we are close to literally scoring three or four goals in a game. We are there. It's just going to be one game where it's going to click. Everything's going to fall into place, and then I think from then on, the only way is up. Yeah, you're exactly right, Jonathan. And it's really hard to argue with either of your two points because well, they're correct in my opinion. And I'm I'm hoping that people will you know you know come out of this today or maybe tomorrow before the game on Tuesday and actually realise what happened on Saturday rather than, you know, just looking for something to blame um, when not really needed to. Um, one positive I did find from Saturday was uh, the performance of Steve Walker. I thought he did really well. Um, he was my man of the match by quite a fine margin, to be completely honest. Um, there seemed to be a lot more dependence on him to create chances. Of course, he got the goal, but he could have had more and, um, you know, the chance he did have towards the second half where he did that chop back and he maybe should have passed it. Um, you know, maybe that's a bit of naivety. Maybe he just needs to learn from the more experienced guys in the squad like a Jerome what to do in that situation. Um, but, you know, I think in a pretty disappointing performance, he was the, the shining light out of that. And, you know, I like to think that he doesn't have to do as much creative-wise in the future. And that, you know, that could have been to do with the lineup. You know, you played Howard and Casimir again, which me and Joe absolutely hate. Um, we just don't think it works. And I feel this game kind of proved that it's just too conservative for us. Um, so hopefully, you know, going to Shrewsbury on Tuesday, we see the change of that. And maybe we see Walker not having to do as much. Um, Jonathan, what were your thoughts on Steve Walker's performance on Saturday? I, I genuinely thought I agree with you. He he was our bright spark. He uh, he had a he had the first chance of the game that went narrowly wide. He took his goal really well, considering as he said in his post match interview that he didn't know where the goal was. He had his back to goal and he he, uh, he converted it really sort of coolly and calmly. He obviously had that that chance as well that as you say with a more experienced striker like Cameron Jerome would have squared it to Fraser. Um, the only thing that, that sometimes gets to me is he, he chops too many times when he's one on one with a defender. He, he it's almost like he's skiing downhill the way he chops backwards and forwards, and you just feel that if you've got the opportunity to shoot, even if it's a small opportunity to take a shot, take take it. It it could go anywhere. It could deflect off the defender and go in. It, it could sneak in at the near post, and. 
I think um, he was critical of himself post-match when uh, when he was interviewed, knowing that he he should have scored more than than one, which is a a really good sign. And um, he also alluded to the fact that he feels that um, he feels like really welcome at, at the club, that everyone sort of welcomed him in, even though he, he's alone. And I think that's just going to give give him more confidence. Um, I just feel that as long as he he keeps this partnership with Jerome up, he's only going to get better. Um, even even if uh, well, even if uh, Carlton Morris comes in as well, that even that could that could work. Uh, even though they're sort of similarish ages as such, but uh, yeah, um, probably his his best performance of the season, to be fair, all round. Yeah. Uh... I can't really agree with you there, Jonathan, really. Um, Ross, do you have any further comments to make on uh, Steve Walker from yesterday? Yeah, I'd just like to point out that, um, that he's only 20 years old. He's not going to be the finish article. So when people think about it, he's getting in them positions in behind. And when he does come deep, I've noticed it allows Fraser to run through the channels. And it's, it's a different option we've got. And I just feel like um, Walker brings that drive, that real drive to this side. And he offers that completely different play to what Morris does. And I just feel like against a team against like Hull, who are going to be open and uh, want to play on the counter-attack, I just feel like Walker suits that sort of game. And um, I don't want to uh, jinx it too much, but if we can get him on a permanent, it'd be just an unreal player. Because I feel like he's got a, a massive potential at this club. And if, if he sticks at it, He's going to be a really, really good player. Yeah, and that's part of philosophy now, I believe, from what Russ was saying on Monday in regards to, you know, investing in these, you know, like high potential players who could potentially return a good ROI for the club. A model that, you know, Norwich have inputted and Brentford have done recently um, through their foreign talent. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I'd more than happily see Walker here on a permanent basis. He's, he's, come on some way since 18 months ago since we last saw him and uh, yeah long may that continue the only issue is I've got a friend who's a Middlesbrough fan and um, he says he absolutely loves that club so uh, let's hope Martin can uh, have that pull he normally has with the signings and uh, does another <laughs> transfer coupe yeah well hopefully he can develop the love for Milton's Don as much as he has Middlesbrough <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sure if you keep scoring goals, that'll be the case anyway. Yeah, um, yeah so um, we've got uh, Shrewsbury Town on Tuesday night. Um, hoping to bounce back from a pretty disappointing performance, as you spoke about um, on Saturday afternoon against Hull. Um, Jonathan, why don't you take us through everything Shrewsbury Town? Right, so Tuesday night we have Shrewsbury Town, currently 22nd in League One. They've got one win in seven games, um, three wins in 26, if you include from last season as well. So they're not in the best of form. Um, they apparently played really well against Ipswich yesterday, but they it's going to sound like a broken record on this podcast, but they've got the same problems as us um, in both boxes. They, they can't score and, and they can't defend. Uh, they lost, I think it was a 97-minute winner for Ipswich yesterday. Um, their XG actually wasn't too far off it, which is a bit like ours yesterday, of uh, exactly one, um, with Ollie Norm- Norburn getting 0.7 of that XG. Um, 
They're back three. They've got a familiar facing agent, Ethan Ebanks Landell, um, Don's, Don's um, cult hero in some parts, uh, alongside Aaron Pierre and Roshan Williams as their, their back three. Um, they're already on their third goalkeeper of the season, uh, who's only kept, who hasn't kept a clean sheet since he's, uh, since he's come in in the league. Um, I, the fans really, really don't want Sam Ricketts at the club. Um, they saying the football's too negative. Um, uh, some of the comments he comes out with as well. Uh, uh, Post match, uh, like yesterday, uh, he said that they were ninety eight percent good and that they deserved three penalties. But none of the Shrewsbury fans that I've I've read or spoken to said any uh, could understand where those three penalties were. Um, so their last five in the league, they've lost three and drawn two, including a three-all draw at home to Swindon when they were actually 2-0 up. Um, uh, in that last five, they've played three of the top six. So maybe they've just hit a bit of a patch like us with the tough fixtures. Um, they've scored um, 11 goals this season, which is three less than us. Conceded 19, which is two more than us. Um, Six-headed goals, so they do have a threat from um, set pieces and corners as well. Um, their away form is 20th, and to put that into perspective, we're only 19th in the away form. Um, they they don't mind uh, teams in possession. They only average 51% possession throughout the season, obviously compared to the um, possession kings of Europe and uh, the star man for me would be Dave Edwards ex-Wolverhampton Wanderers um, he can uh, dictate the game he can um, he, he's, the, he's their leader and, and their focal point if he's not happy with uh, how they're playing he, he doesn't mind um, saying it as it is um, other notable players would be Jason uh, Cummings who for me is absolutely wasted out on the wing he should be up top um, where he's more deadly. Um, Ex-Bournemouth, Charlie Daniels. Um, that seemed to be a bit of a coup for Shrewsbury late on. Um, then they've also got um, Mark Pugh up top. And um, Josh Vela is another one to possibly watch. Um, another one that I think could uh, should be a, a higher level if, it, if, he'd, uh, if his form was uh, more consistent. So... Yeah, nothing else really to add there. Just, uh, yeah, just I think they say the main men to watch will be Dave Edwards and uh, Ollie Nor Norburn in the centre of midfield. Thank you, Richard. That, Jonathan, it's brilliant. Um, Ross, I know you wanted to touch on your usual ones to watch. So why don't you go ahead and give us some ones to watch for Tuesday night? I was looking at this Shrewsbury side and uh, I find it that they're very much like that Northampton side a few weeks back and they're there for the taking. I feel like if we, um, if we play our usual football, we don't let um, them dictate the game and play our usual stuff, we can more than put three or four past this lot. Um, but their top goal scorer is a centre-half in uh, Pierre, Aaron Pierre. Um, and it's just something in, in itself, the fact that they're just not their strikers are not doing the job. Um, but some other no, uh, notable mentions for Sean Wally, 33 years old, He's got two goals in six appearances this season, um, who predominantly plays down the right 
right right hand side of that attack. Um, but Jonathan mentioned about Charlie Daniels. Um, they've also got Mark Pugh, who sits up top, also. Um, but they've got Scott Goldburn, um, who obviously, as MK fans will remember, the uh, 32 years old who plays down uh, at left back. He can be quite robust and uh, attack that um, wing back role. And um, I'm hoping we don't fall into their game plan and we play our play our own and uh, we expose their weaknesses in uh, being ruthless in front of goal. And uh, I'm hoping for a 2-0 MK Dons win. Yeah, I was just looking at the Shrewsbury squad and I find it hard to believe that their squad teams have so much more quality than the way they're playing. Obviously, you mentioned Charlie Daniels, both of you guys, and he was a player that I wanted to highlight. You know, he's a pretty, pretty sure he's averaging 1.8 key passes a game and operating that left mid role that maybe Dan Harvey or Ben Gladwin does. We know how influential that position can be, especially in our attacking. So the fact that maybe you mentioned Scott uh, Goldborn, a said former MK player, the fact that he's taken over from uh, him, the Charlie Daniels, and you know had his impact on that team already. And as you said, it's quite a coup. I think it shows how going forward he could be quite an influential player. And if we've got if we've got maybe a Regan Paul going up against him, that could be an interesting battle. But yeah, I think you mentioned, you know, <laughs> how the top scorer is a centre-back. That, that kind of says it all, really. Um, they've got an 8% win ratio this season. And um, out of their last 26 league games, they've only won three. Um, and, you know, Ricketts is kind of walking on the job security type rope, as I've put it. And, you know, Jonathan mentioned regarding the fans not really agreeing with what he's been saying. Well, they literally, I believe this is the Salab Cast guys literally had a podcast dedicated to venting all about Sam Ricketts last night. So if that doesn't give you a picture of what's happened at Shrewsbury, then I don't know what is. Um, so I think for me, this game personally, you both touched on really well um, regarding the detail side of things and wants to watch. I'm more worried about us not executing our game plan than I am of them winning the game in general. And maybe that's a bit naive from me, but I just feel we're a much better footballing team at the moment. And as long as Ricketts is there, I think they're going to struggle. So if we know any further comments, if you don't believe uh, you guys did, uh, we're going to predict the starting 11s. Um, Ross, why don't you take us away with your predict the starting 11 for Tuesday night? Yeah, I've, I've gone with Fisher in goal and the same back line in O'Hora, Keogh and Louis. And I think you mentioned it earlier, uh, Liam. So I've gone with Paul down that right-hand side. I feel like um, Russ didn't play him at, uh, yesterday against Paul only because of obviously he had international duty. So I feel like uh, Paul will come back in the line. And when I, obviously I saw Kasumi and Halton playing, I'm exactly the same as you, Liam. I, I just get so frustrated because of they're two, um, two defensive players. I just feel like Sorensen, yeah, he might not be the best going forward, but I just feel like he offers a bit more going forward than Halton. And um, I've gone with Sorensen, Fraser and Kasumu in the middle. And I've gone with Ben Gladwin out on that left wing back role, only because of um, Harvey. He's, um, they're taking precautions on him, so we've we're yet to hear any update on that um, front. And up top, I feel like um, Morris came off the bench, so he's going to be quite fresh. So I feel like um, Morris will go up top with Jerome. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go with mine next. Um, I believe I had the same, so back three as you, so Hora, Keo, Louis, got Fisher in goal. Um, I'm sticking with Sorinola at right wing back, um, just more for stability purposes. Um, I don't think Regan Paul came back in. They didn't really do too much for me against um, Hull. Millie, it's a diff- difficult game for him to come into, but uh, wasn't that impressed. Um, yeah, I'm sticking with Gladwin, like you, at left wing back. Um, Shrew don't tend to like possession, to be honest, so we're going to need a player like Gladwin to really make those sort of passes to cut through. And yeah, Fraser, Kasumu, and Sorensen in my midfield three as well. Um, as you said, don't want to see Halton and Kasumu again. Just doesn't work. Don't understand why it's still happening, to be honest. And um, I'm going Walker and Morris personally. Um, you know, Jerome picked up a little niggle at the end of the game. Um, it was back, I believe, so I'm not too sure what the update on that is. Apparently it's not serious, but I say there's a good chance he misses Tuesday and Morris and Walker get the call up front. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you round us off with your predicted start on 11th uh, Tuesday? I've gone with uh, Fisher and Goal. Um, I've gone for the same back three of O'Hara, Keogh and Lewington. I've gone Regan Paul at right wing back. Um, I just feel with the threat of uh, Charlie Daniels, we need, I think Regan's a bit more sort of defensive minded and, and will uh, keep um, Charlie Daniels in check if, uh, if they do attack. I've actually gone with Max Sorinola at left wing back. Um, he seems to, I don't know what it is, considering he's a right footer, he seems to thrive more down the left. Um, and obviously with the Daniel Har- Harvey situation, I, th- I just feel that that um, there's no reason to drop Sorinola. He didn't have a bad bad game yes, yesterday, just, just swap him on the sides. Um, I've gone with... Uh, Midfield three of Jordan Houghton, Scott Fraser, and uh, Ben Gladwin, just for the creative cre- no, creativity. Obviously, as, it, as we've said before, we're not going to play Hull every week. Shrewsbury probably more than likely going to sit back and going to let us have more of the ball. Therefore, we need more of a creative spark. And Gladwin, I think people forget that Gladwin was part of the Walker goal yesterday again, so he he's starting to show what what he's capable of. And then up top, I've gone with um, Walker, and then if he is fit, I've gone with Walker and, and Jerome. I understand that he went off with a, a back injury, but the way Martin was talking, I, I can't imagine that. Um, well, say I can't imagine that he he'll, he'll not play Tuesday, but I think there's a high probability that he will play. Uh, Tuesday, so I've gone with uh, Morrison Walker up. Um, oh, sorry, Jerome and Walker up top. Yeah, yeah, really hard to argue with that. I feel we all made pretty good reasons for that. Uh, yeah, it's Gladwin. Be interesting with Gladwin plays actually, because I was me and Ross got left wing back. You've got him more in the midfield, Jonathan. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be influential either way in this game, whether he's on left wing back or in the centre mid alongside uh, Fraser and probably Kasumu. Um, so, yeah, why don't we get into our predictions for the game? Um, I'll kick us off. Um, for me, as as, uh, as crazy as it seems to say right now, it this one does feel a bit like a must-win game with the way Shrewsbury are playing at the moment. I understand they had a good, they had a good first half against uh, Ipswich for the weekend, but ultimately they're, they're a poor team on like, the poorest form in the league. Um, so we really need to take advantage of this and try and show like a Wigan or a Gillingham-esque performance that we saw. Um, so I'm going to go 2-0 Dons. Um, Ross, I believe you said 2-0 Dons earlier. Are you sticking with that prediction? 
Yeah, I'm, st- I'm sticking with that only because of, um, we mentioned earlier, Shrewsbury are going to struggle to even get the ball. Um, and I just feel like it's going to turn into this, uh, the Wigan game a few weeks back where it's going to be a defence versus attack. Because let's be brutally honest, um, once Shrewsbury get forward, um, they're going to be very open at the back. So uh, if, let's say, they do come out and try and play against us, it's just going to suit us even more because of the gaps and their space is going to be there. But I just want to see Fraser being in that three-row advanced 10 number role. I just feel against Wigan, he just he was just a spark and uh, he made things tick. But yeah, I'm going to stick with my 2-0 prediction uh, to MK. Yep. And Jonathan, why don't you round us off with your prediction for Tuesday night's game? Well, we're certainly not going to be milky dons on Tuesday. I feel there's going to be a lot of players with a lot to prove. As Liam said, that there weren't that many bright sparks against against a very good Hull side. Um, I, I just feel that the, that at some point the handbrake will have to come off. Uh, at some point, these chances that are created and these chances that are not being converted will be converted. Um, I've gone really bold. I've even gone really bold on my, on my preview and I've gone with a 4-0 MK Don's home win. I know this sounds really mad. I, I just feel that, as Ross has said, Shrewsbury are there for the taking. Uh, players will have a, a lot to prove and I can, I can only see one one result. So I've gone with 4-0 MK Don's. No, I like it. You know, it, it screams of games between the past teams we have that this dominant team of like we've, we've beat teams like 6-7-0 in the past uh yeah, it does have feelings of that. And, you know, no disrespect to Shrewsbury, they're just not playing well. And um, I, if we don't win this game, I'll be very disappointed in general, to be honest. Oh, we, we know what's going to happen now. A 1-0 well, uh, scrappy yeah. Shrewsbury win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if that happens, if it's all the reaction <laughs> did against Hull, then imagine what we're going to see against after Shrewsbury. Oh, my God. Um, well, yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening to episode 15 of the MK1 podcast. Um, it would be brilliant if you could rate, review and subscribe. Uh, we see loads of terrific reviews off the Martin uh, episode last time. And uh, as to the start, we hope we could convince you to stay um, and listen to the future podcasts and uh, the previous ones as well. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening and come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.